Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Welcome to another Debrief. I'm your host, Gene. And this is the Warrior Mindset. Alright, so, normal preamble. Um, this little segment came about uh, because I was uh, overly consuming social media and thought that it would be a good idea to try to curtail that and set some limits. And so I like to use my time on social media productively and not just mindfully scroll until I fall asleep or get hungry or whatever it is. Um, I try to use it in set time frames and learn something from it. So here we go. A few things that I've picked up in the past week or two since our last debrief. Here's one from Mark Devine. Um, if you follow any sort of self-help or inspirational or, you know, Mark Devine himself, or anything around that, you're going to have encountered the wolf. The fear wolf, the courage wolf, that metaphor. It's as old as anything I can remember, and something that I've gone to, <laughs> lack of any other inspiration or anything, but it's a good one. And you know, Mark went to it, and um, so let's talk through it. Are you feeding your fear wolf or your courage wolf? So this relates to a story. Um, It's supposedly some sort of Native American legend. It's been like a Viking legend, a Spartan legend, like whatever, like warrior class you want to assign to it. Um, I particularly like assigning it to like a more mystical, like Native American mysticism sort of a mindset. But... It's the story of uh, a grandfather and his grandson talking after his grandson had some sort of incident. Um, and the you know grandfather's teaching his grandson a lesson. He says, listen, there are two wolves that reside in each of us. The fear wolf, which feeds on negativity and, and anger and the need for attention. And also inside of us is the courage wolf, which is built up by love and optimism, open-mindedness and listening and looking within. And they're always at war with each other. They're always fighting. And the grandson says, so which one wins if they're always fighting? And the grandfather says, the one you feed so in, according to the legend, the wolf that wins out is the one you feed. Um, Mark's graphic is more centered around becoming a leader and being a leader. Um, and he has the fear wolf on the left, hungry for drama, negative self-talk, fights for attention, demands dominance. Whereas the courage wolf, appetite for love and connection, optimism, focused on others, 
asked to be noticed. In the trenches of chaos, the internal terrain of emotional power and mindset is where the creative energy to win comes from. Whole leaders set their egos aside, subordinate their need to the team and the mission, and operate from a world-centric, integrated consciousness. Okay? The fear wolf is also a metaphor for what holds you back. Holds you back emotionally, the things, your, your fears, your negative reactionary patterns and biases. Okay? Um, anyway, study this one. This is cool. I think he actually has an entire book written about um, these two things. But he uses it a lot, and um, I, I've actually used it in, in coaching scenarios and things. And, and I, I think it's, um, it's an interesting way to think about where you are and to kind of check yourself. You know, which wolf are you feeding at any moment in time if you're at a crossroads or trying to figure out, like, are you reacting negatively or positively to something? You know, um, I do this a lot where, like, someone I work with will ask me something or give me some information on something that I need to do. And if I feel I'm being negative or my thoughts are negative or I feel that flutter, you know, inside about like, what, why is this person telling me this stuff? You know, um, I, I ask myself, which wolf am I feeding? So it helps me sort of center and put, you know, what is being asked to me or, or, you know, what is being investigated of me or whatever by, by my, people I work with or whatever, um, into perspective in that, you know, nine times out of 10, they're just trying to help or nine times out of 10, they're just trying to, they're not thinking about me. They're thinking about the project or the mission. And that's where I should be focused. Not so much on me and my needs and my reactions. Um, and that's truly how, you know, we're going to get that project done. Right. So this is a good one. The fear wolf, courage wolf, uh, study that one. It's, it's pretty rad. Um, all right, another one here. And this one's also uh, related to this whole segment that I'm doing. Um, it was from the Spartan Up podcast. And, and go listen to this episode. I don't remember which episode it is, but it's about how do you manage your smartphone. Um, uh, it's, it, he had a, he had a, a person on, they had a person on the show, um, Adam Alter. Uh, he has a book called Irresistible. Um, I haven't checked the book out yet, but this podcast episode on Spartan Up Podcast is pretty good. It talks about the irresistible lure of your smartphone technology and how to keep it in balance, which is super important. And the first slide here that he has is one question to ask yourself is for how much of the day can you reach your phone without moving your feet? About 80% of adults say that they can reach their phones without moving their feet 24 hours a day. Okay, and, you know, which basically means that this phone is an implant, right? It's part of you. If you can get to it 80 to 90% of the day without moving, it's attached to you. You know, just like your head or your legs or your arms or hands. Um, if you let something, if there's anything in the world that you let follow you around 24 hours a day, uh it's going to affect your experience and how the world experiences you, right? So think of it as like a little creature that followed you around. You you would notice that and other people would notice that. It, it's, it's literally next to you 24-7. Um, 
And something to remember is that this is a this is a thing, iPhone or whatever. I'm going to use iPhone just because what I have. It is designed to be as sticky and difficult to resist as possible, right? They've literally designed this thing to get you to not want to put it down. You know, the the thing itself and the apps that reside within it. Okay, and in the podcast, they talk about uh, how you can set boundaries and the need to set boundaries on using it means that you can you need to find ways to get the best usage from the device, okay? So that you're using the device for all the positive things that you can get it for and it's not encroaching on your mental well-being or your addiction, okay? Super important way of looking at using this thing as a tool and not as an emotional or mental crutch, Okay, I mean, just just audit yourself really quick and be honest. How often do you find yourself just looking at your like you're you're shopping for groceries and while you're waiting, you just you have to look at it, right? That, my friend, is an addiction. Can you can you not look at it for an hour? Try, try to not look at it when you get home. Not when you're busy with something. Not when you're literally, um, you know piloting a vehicle or whatever. Although, if you find yourself at a stoplight and you need to look at it, then you don't need to audit yourself. You just need to admit that you have a problem. But but when you get home, and let's say you're, you're entertaining one sort of thing, like let's say you're watching television or listening to whatever or sitting at the table or whatever you're doing, try not to put it away and try not to look at it for an hour or two and note how many times you find yourself wanting to get that device, okay? Just just do that. It's eye-opening. I've done it. Uh, these things are new. We haven't really... Um, another thing that says, we haven't really had them around long enough to develop a kind of uh, cultural norms about how it works and what doesn't work. We're still working it out. We're still figuring it out. We're all still struggling with the amount of usage we have on this thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I know I am. Uh, you know, there's there's no there's not a lot of resources on it. Um, there's other this podcast is a great one, so go check it out. Audit yourself on your cell phone usage, uh, or your cell phone addiction. Be open minded, and um, you know, pay attention. Okay, um, I kind of want to. I kind of want to uh, shift gears a little bit, um, and this first one, and this is going to kind of shift gears. Uh, you know, those first two were just sort of a little introductory things that I, I found and kind of dug into. But um, this was a little personal for me, um, and uh, you know, maybe we'll get into it, maybe we won't. We'll just see where my heart takes me. But uh, th- it started with this one. Um, from Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, his his simple, like, you know, Instagramming a tweet or whatever the hell he's doing is blaming is easy, accountability is hard. So many of you blame and blame and blame and blame, and it hurts my heart. It's according to Gary V. Hurt my heart hurts for you. Dear friends, I promise you, when you take accountability and point that finger on yourself and ask yourself honest questions, realize it's okay to be scared or hurt or worried or frustrated. So much good can happen. The world is not against you. 
your perspective needs to be considered. Um, oh man, super great, um, super great thought to start with. Uh, particularly, I was uh, presented with a scenario of um, a, a personal relationship, um, friendship uh, being sort of um, ended, I guess, um, not by me, but it, it really, you know, at first I was I was quite angry um, at the way that that happened, and then I started to think about, you know, just putting things in perspective and realizing that, you know, a lot of it started internally with, with me and, uh, you know, just me reacting to my emotions and letting that sort of uh, dictate, uh, you know, more emotions or whatever. Um, but really, you know, I think it's important to look within and to be accountable for the things that you do. Um, and nine times out of ten, you, you, I think you find that what happens to you, the only thing you can control is, is how you respond to it. And I know that's like, that, that in and of itself is probably a simple, like, you know, quotable Instagram thing that we see a lot or whatever. But it, it is really true. The only thing that you really have control over is your responses to things. And then also... Um, you know, that, that's just, that's reality. Your reality is what your brain, um, you know, kicks out, right? So you've, so just making things external and creating like a villain or, you know, making a problem, you know, named or whatever, that's easy to do. And, and, you know, that, that in and of itself can be a good tool if you need that to move on to, or to, to accept, you know, something, that's cool, but but true true depth is when you look at yourself and learn and take some accountability. Um, that's I mean, really, just that's where it starts, you know, and and, and not making excuses for things. Um, and and this goes into another uh, another thing here from Mark Manson, and I feel like I've put him in every one of these, and it's really good stuff. I've got two. Um, because he, he hits home with a lot of stuff, and it's probably because he posts a lot. But um, one is how the negativity bias makes us all assholes, according to science. The danger with the negativity bias is that we lose perspective on what's actually a problem. It kind of goes into the accountability thing. So I'll break this down with his, his uh, bullet points. We perceive the loss of something as more painful than the joy of gaining it. We generally take negative feedback more seriously than positive feedback. Our pessimistic predictions are interpreted as more intelligent and credible than positive ones. We are quicker to believe negative stereotypes than positive stereotypes. We weigh negative behaviors far more heavily than positive behaviors when judging someone's character. That is good shit. I'll try to break these down. And this is... This is something I, I did recently, this first one. And it was before I, before I came across the slide, and this is like the first one I saw that really made me dig into this. We preserve, we per, sorry, we perceive the loss of something as more painful than the joy of gaining it. If we can just take a minute and review the good in something, right? 
it doesn't have to be loss. It can be messing something up, whatever. But if we just take into account the good and positive things that come from something or someone or whatever, we can put it in perspective, right? And it, and it may hurt to lose something or someone. But if we can, re- again, if we can review the joys of even knowing that person or even gaining that thing and everything you got from it, I think it's going to put it in perspective um, in a positive tone. And, and I tell you, I, this one um, is something that I struggle with. As far back as I was working with a company, I invested in a company, and then I was helping to uh, initially build this company and expand its footprint and its uh, market share and all this, whatever you want to talk, business, business stuff. Um, and I invested a lot of time and effort and called on a lot of personal uh, relationships and, and put this thing in play, and I really believed in it. Um, and the the powers that be, the powers that ran it above me, um, the main people really screwed it up, and it eventually went, this business went out of it went out, it was gone, it went bankrupt or was bought and shut down. I don't remember the exact story. This is irrelevant, but but they kind of ruined it. And I remember just for a good year, just being very angry about it, and then sort of blaming those people. And these were people that were friends of mine before. Um, before I got involved with them in this business and, and as um, eventually as an employee and part of the business, I remember just being mad at them for, for screwing up this thing, this really good thing. And it could still be good. It's, it's like such a great idea, and, and you know, it, it hurts that it's gone. It still does sting a little bit. But, and I just was like, man, they screwed that up. They, they, they screwed me, you know. Um, I lost money, and I lost so much time, and, and I feel like I lost clout, and, you know, like, like what, like why, and, and just, you know, it's their fault and all this stuff, and, uh, but we gained a lot out of it. I mean, we, we sort of inherited an entire, uh, for one of my other companies, we inherited an entire building. We inherited everything in it. We actually had good clout from, from making some of these business decisions to being involved, um, made some good friends through the thing, um, learned some very valuable lessons that, that now have put me in a more positive place. And, and it wasn't until, honestly, recently when I was able to really look at uh, the, the, the joys and the, the good history and the, the positive things and the, the, the actual physical things that we got out of um, starting that business in the first place along with these other people was it that um, I was able to sort of let that go. Uh, and, you know, I hope I can do that one day with, with certain people in my life. I really do. Um, okay, the other one. We generally take negative feedback more seriously than positive feedback. That's true. Uh, even in um, even in martial arts, right? So if you're, if you're a practitioner of martial arts, a lot of times we will focus on the things we did wrong or the things where someone points out something that's wrong, we will put more credence on that. We will work on those things more. We'll listen to those things more than when they say, hey, good job on this thing. I really like how you do this. You know, or this, this thing you're doing is very successful for you. You should do more of that. We generally won't even, like, won't even work on those. 
positive things. You know, we're just like, whatever. It's like a given. I got it. You know, it's something I do. You know, I, I don't need to focus on it. Um, we will sort of fixate on the negative things and work on those over and over and over. I think it's the same outside of martial arts. Um, you know, someone can say something to you, uh, even even innocently, they can say something that to you you perceive as negative, um, and you'll fit. And I know I will fixate on it. You know, and the compliments and, and positive things that people could point out about you, you just let slide, and you don't even you don't even accept and absorb those things. Our pessimistic predictions are interpreted as more intelligent and credible than positive ones. Yeah, so if you're talking to somebody, like politics is a good realm, you know, and you're just like, you're just pointing out like negative and pessimistic things, oftentimes that's where it's where others and, uh, you know, us also will sort of put more credence on us being um, intelligent, you know. Um, and it, it's, they always sound better and they always feel better than positive ones. And I find that interesting. That's something I'm going to work on. And again, this is related, but we're quicker to believe negative stereotypes than positive ones. And that's super true. Um, you know, we, we kind of fall in line with that as related to the other one. Think about that when you're sort of, when you're sort of auditing uh, how you view something, you know. We weigh negative behaviors far more heavily than positive behaviors. I'm going to add especially slash when judging someone's character. Um, I think that's so true, uh, particularly um, let's put it in a, in a, in a coaching perspective of uh, like I, you know, one of my businesses is a gym and I, I coach a lot of people. We, you know, when we, and again, Mark Devine talks about this, um, replacing negative behaviors with, uh, uh, what, how does he call it, uh, champion behaviors. Um, he has a different term for it. Uh, maybe I'll remember it. But we focus on the negative behaviors, right, um, on ourselves. So we really, like, like if you're if you're going to quit smoking for example or you want to quit sugar we're going to focus on all the bad places that we get sugar from we're going to focus on how bad it is to smoke we're going to focus on how bad it is to want that to have that feeling instead of trying to replace those negative things with positive things so for example if you are trying to lose weight and you have like everyone else on the planet, you have a sugar problem, um, which means you just you like it and you eat crappy food. Every time you get hungry and you have a craving for, you know, that Coke or that whatever the thing is that you, you need, like in my case, it's like peanut butter, replace it with something that's positive, right? So replace it with um, whatever you need. So if, if you're like, if you if you feel that need to smoke, replace it with um, a reward. So replace it with, uh, you know, reading a page in a book that you like. Replace it with, uh, you know, a healthy snack. Replace it with exercise. Right. Those are positive effects on. Those have positive 
effects on you as opposed to the negative thing. And focusing on doing the positive thing over fighting against doing the negative thing. I hope that makes sense um, because that really works. Because not only are you beating back the negative habit, the negative behavior, you're building good habits in the positive direction. But also, when we judge someone's character, you know, hey, there's, there's Mary. She's always late. Mary's just late. Jesus, that drives me crazy. Mary's always late. Yeah, well, she always brings everybody coffee. You know, or, or yeah, but when she gets here, I really enjoy her company. You know? Which one is more important? It may drive you crazy, and it may be something you can simply talk about in a positive way, as opposed to just hating it about that person. And then that person has become known as late Mary, as opposed to awesome Mary, right? It's a big difference, and it, it can affect your relationships. Um, <clears throat> super important. So here's another Mark Manson um, talking about your life purpose should be sought not merely through what feels good. It must be considered and reasoned must be worth getting hurt for. So the post is, forget feeling good and find your purpose. People who lead lives based on feeling good all the time find themselves perpetually on a treadmill, constantly needing more, more, more. Step off the treadmill. You need to decide that something matters more than your own feelings, that some cause, some goal, some person is worth occasionally feeling bad for, that causes often what we refer to as our purpose. And finding it is one of the most important endeavors we can take to enhance our health and well-being. Um, we all want to be happy all the time. You know? Um, and, you know, you can't avoid, you can't avoid negative Things. You can't avoid bad things. You just can't. You can't live in a bubble. But I know, and I, I, he, apparently he does, but I also know so many people that their life is centered around adapting their environment, finding those things that make them feel good. And feeling good is not the same as finding a purpose that builds a good life or just building a good life, right? It could be people, places, or things. Like he says, a goal, a person, whatever it is, a cause. You, you know, if it's worth it, you're going to fight for it. And that actual fight, that's where we find our purpose. If you're listening carefully enough, that which you want to actually argue and fight for is something that you feel empathy for, energized by, whatever that thing is. But you can't hide from that. Yeah, that sometimes that thing's doing that sucks, right? Sometimes it's conflict. Sometimes it's confrontation. But if it's worth the conflict or confrontation or, or suffering a little bit by maybe, you know, a, a big deal or by just putting something off for a few days to gain something positive or, you know, to make someone feel better that you really care for, whatever that thing is, 
a little bit of the suffering goes a long way in your own building your own purpose or search for purpose, right? That that thing, that is where the sweet space is. You can't just always just have a, you know, a need or fill this need with with whatever feels good, right? You just can't do it. Some people use alcohol or drugs or you know, cigarettes or uh, media, like they'll just sit there and watch shit all day long. Um, I talked about the phone earlier. That is definitely what a little bit of that void that, that you know, the phone, whether it's Facebook or the phone itself or whatever it is, it's jamming itself right there in between that space. And, uh, you know, that's where it is. And it's just taking up all your, your time. It's just sucking that uh, search for purpose out of you. Um, but that, that little sweet spot, that's where it's at, you know? It's okay to get passionate about something. You know, nerd out about something. Like, go deep on it, you know? Like like Gary Vee says, if, if, you know, if Smurfs are your thing, Smurf it up. Like, it's okay. That is part of your your path to finding purpose, and, and even if it's not, even if that little thing that you go deep in, deep on, is not the thing that you wind up doing forever, but it's it helps you along that path. It's worth it. It's worth it. Um, some of the comments on this one are funny. Um, like this one, I do not agree. A constant need of finding a purpose in your life is dangerous for your mental health. Questioning every day, what is my purpose? Why not live every day and stay healthy and happy? What comes and what goes? Hmm, finding our purpose. Maybe we just need to be our purpose. Just be who you are. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, purposeful life has no content, no point. It hurries on and on and misses everything. It's funny how, you know, people can react negatively to something like this. And, I mean, how often have you, like, let's say you were younger and you were really into something. Did someone make fun of you for being into whatever that thing is? Or, you know, you're, like, explaining something to someone and geeking out about it, and they just kind of chuckle at you and, you know, I don't understand you or you're silly or whatever. Um, I know it's not just me. You know, people react negatively to stuff like that when they see you um, successfully finding your purpose or or lighting up on something. Um, they can react negatively to that because they haven't done that or they don't feel like they can do that. You can't let that you can't let that deter you. You know, I mean, you, you really you can't live for someone else's approval. <laughs> that can crush your your ability to find purpose. And the whole point of this is 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 the difference between seeking things that per- make you particularly feel good, that's like just a placebo feel good versus excuse me, something that can make you feel good about yourself or about the world forever. Can make you truly enjoy your time on this planet. Cuz it it's there's not a lot of it. You know? 
life will never be long enough, right? You've got to realize that. So what are you spending it, what are you filling it with? What are you spending it doing? That's what they mean by purpose. You know, some of these people, maybe they, they, they're reacting to this because they, they can't do it. They can't, they, they, for whatever reason, they can't figure it out. They can't, they can't let themselves go to, to find time to do it. Maybe they're surrounded with people that won't let them do it. Um, whatever that is, I'm willing to bet that's those people that have those negative comments are the same type of people that would, that would piss on you for explaining something that you're super passionate about. You know? You see it all the time. I'm sure you have experienced it all the time. Probably from family members, from people that you thought were your best friends. You know? I don't know how personal to take it, but at some point, you know, you have to weigh, uh, you know, you have to weigh all that and, and see where it gets you. But, you know, um, I'm not saying your purpose in life should be to find your purpose. It's not necessarily a conscious thing that you put, you know, steps one through ten of finding my purpose on a checklist and then go and try to knock those things out. It's, it's more organic than that. You have to, to live that life of purpose or to live that life of, of being able to move between multiple things in life that get you excited or things that you love or people that you love or whatever it is, you have to be open enough. You have to, you have to build that within you. You have to practice it enough so you can hear it, you know, so you can hear it and see it when the universe is pointing it out. And part of that might be putting yourself out there enough to be heard a little bit. Okay. Last bit, and I think it relates. Um, there's this thing. Well, there's this person, Jocko Wilnick. If you've listened to me for any amount of time or followed me in any way whatsoever or even know me personally, you know that I'm a disciple of Jocko Wilnick. Will Ink. Will Ink. Jocko. Um, so anyway, someone made this Jocko quote database. Uh, this is a great little video. It's just of this segment of, of what they say here. You should totally, maybe go listen to the whole episode, but, you know, he's got like three-hour episodes. Even I can't listen to that much Jocko as much as I love him. But here's the quote. You cannot have pleasure without pain. You cannot have pain without pleasure. Your struggles now will be rewarded in the future. So you must endure. Sakahara Bukaden from the Hundred Rules of War book that he's quoting from. You cannot have pleasure without pain, and you cannot have pain without pleasure. So true. It's the same with purpose. You can't find your purpose until you've, you can't value your life with purpose until you've spent a little time without it. You know, we don't truly value our friends and family until we're without them. You know, it's that yin and yang sort of outlook on everything, right? You can't have the black without the white, you know? 
um, you have to know what the suck feels like before you can truly enjoy life when it's not sucking, right? But you also have to be careful not to get stuck in it. You know, you you just can't get stuck in that first gear and, and only only experience the suck and only find the suck. Your struggles now will be rewarded in the future. So you must endure. If I've never heard a never quit quote from before modern time, I don't know what it is. Um, this is one. Never give up. Never quit. Because you never know how long the suck will last. It will be over. Nothing lasts forever. No pain lasts forever. It just doesn't. And, you know, even the most negative things, there's usually something positive that comes out of it. You know, And it's easy for me to say that. Yeah, I know. You could be like, dude, you don't know about XYZ. Screw you. I'll accept that. But for the most part, for the most part, I think it's true. You know? You've got to keep going. You've got to endure. If you keep doing it long enough, you keep working hard long enough, it'll pay off. And I've seen it, I've experienced it, and I believe it. So, on that note, we'll end this rambling session. (laughs) I'm calling the debrief. Get after it, y'all. Never quit.